What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Today's episode is also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. Helps if you tag it as Mailbag, so I know that's what you intended to be. Or watch the skies Monday mornings on my Twitter feed, where I send out a tweet soliciting questions for this show. You respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in a show. If you're not a Twitter user or just someone who doesn't tweet, you can email the show LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com is the address. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first question comes from Dalton White at DJW21 who asks, what is the number one thing you're looking forward to the most for the upcoming season and the number one thing you're dreading? I don't think I'm really dreading anything. Um, uh, the the Blazers aren't going to like, they're not going to crush my spirits. They might make me a little frustrated, but like there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to like really, that would really bring out like dread uh, in me. I think the thing that I most am least looking forward to is that the sort of Damian Lillard trade saga dominates the season and it overshadows the basketball and it becomes that the basketball becomes like a side act to where will dame go next and that becomes like the talking point for every every um sort of every stop it won't be here like lockdown blazers isn't gonna do that um, i like the basketball part of basketball but uh the the sort of national narrative will take over and if national when if that becomes the big national narrative i would that is something i would not be looking forward to what i'm looking forward to most is probably um what the blazer roster looks like uh if it is the if it's relatively similar i'll be excited to see the steps that the young guys can take always you know the the growth of young players one of the most exciting parts about the league uh you know anthony simons and nazir little what what steps they can take if 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 it, the roster doesn't look the same, if those two gentlemen are gone or, or, or whatever it might be, like what it looks like is what is the most intriguing parts to me, how the parts fit. Um, you know, I, I've kind of poo-pooed trade machine, but it's not like I'm anti-player movement or anything like that. Uh, I just don't like being the one to press the button on trade machine. I love, you know, player movement, player transactions, and then kind of thinking about how the parts fit. That That is really fascinating to me. So uh, what the roster looks like, and hopefully it's not all Dame talk are the two answers to your questions. Dalton, next one comes from JT at no I in team HQ on Twitter who asks who are some assistant coaching candidates you'd like to see picked with Billups Casey at CW McGrath on Twitter asks who might Billups target to be on his coaching staff so um I don't like to be clear I don't I have not heard any 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 rumblings um there was there was a report from you know Eric Gunderson had said he had heard heard uh, that on this podcast that that David Fisdale had can, had been at least an idea floated around to join Chauncey's coaching staff. He has since joined the Lakers, but I think like that ilk, you know, uh, experienced coaches, guys who've done it, and and uh, folks who've who've coached in the league because it's not just um, you know that that Chauncey's like a is a first time head coach. Like he just doesn't have a ton of just coaching experience period. Uh, you know, he's played in the league a long time. He certainly understands how it goes, I would imagine. But like there is, there is sort of stuff to coaching that you learn from, uh, you know, from just the, the institutional 
knowledge from doing it a long time. So I, I would expect to see uh, veteran types join his staff, uh, guys who've done it before join his staff. Um, the Blazers, they had, um, you know, a bunch... Not, they didn't have necessarily young coaching staff, but their coaching staff wasn't like deep with NBA head coaching experience. Um, as guys who come up in the G League and coach a couple other places under Terry Stotts, and because Stotts was a veteran, he didn't need that type of um, you know. After Jay Triano left, that wasn't exactly what he needed on his bench, and I, I think that's reasonable. But you know, Chauncey Billups is a different guy, so uh, you know, veteran veterans, folks who have had um, you know. I mean, not necessarily even success, but like uh, folks who've 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 been head coached in the league and have and have seen a thing or two because I think they can really help Chauncey as he makes that transition to head coach. Next question comes from PDXPCFL at PDXPCFL on Twitter who asks that might be PDX peaceful. I'm I'm just missing the vowels. PDX peaceful on Twitter who asks if the Blazers can't win now with the current roster construction and Dame tells you privately he wants a trade. Do you blow it all up and start rebuilding or you try to retool and win now? If Dame tells you you want to trade and you don't think you can win now, I don't think you like go against the grain and say, hold on, dog. (laughs) Let me see if I can figure it out. Like, I don't think that's the move. If Dame comes to you in private, um, you know, real G's move in silence like lasagna. You don't want the, you don't want the trade, uh, rumors to get out you don't want it to be an anthony davis type of thing uh you want it to be more like paul george where the the first time you hear of trade requests it's because he's being traded somewhere gives you the most leverage allows you to get the most the biggest um if there isn't if if other teams can't sort of bet against each other and play off one another with their pick with their offers like that gets you the best package uh what the best package might be is kind of debatable if you want just like straight up picks that that's that's like sort of you got to figure out where to route him to get straight up picks type of thing but um, yeah, I, I think you don't, if Dame says, I want to be traded, if he comes to you in private and says, trade me, you, you do it, you blow it up. Um, you, you hope that doesn't happen. But if, if you get to the point where Damian Lotus is from his mouth to, the, to your ears um, asking for a trade, which I don't think is like totally off the table, uh, you just, you try to, before it becomes a big public thing and, and like is a headline on Yahoo Sports or whatever, you, um, you go ahead and try to make the move. Bobby at Bobby V at Bobby Van D22 on Twitter asks, will Nurk be another guy Neil Olshay doesn't cash in on and moves on via free agency next offseason? Yeah, Neil does have a track record of kind of um, you know, not not trading guys at the end of the contract. I know people like to point to Alfred Camino, but like the the timing of that, uh, his expiring deal never made sense to trade. It was total nonsense. I know that was floated around by some people in Portland media, but that was um, just like goofy, stupid stuff where people didn't understand Alfaro Camino's value necessarily. But you know, he's done it with other uh, with um, with other sort of lesser parts like Pat Connaughton, etc. Yeah, I don't think um, if Nurk doesn't get moved this offseason, he still definitely could be a trade possibility at the trade deadline, depending on where the Blazers are. Um, you know, d- d- trading Nurk would be a big, big move, right? It would be a big, they, the, it would be a, not like a seismic shift, but it would be a major, um, a major shift from where they are. It might be a seismic shift. Sure. Why not? Seismic. Uh, but I think, I think like if, if you're betting, the most likely scenario is they kind of play it out this year and hope that they can figure it out and then Nurk walks. Yeah, I I think that is the most likely scenario that you've identified, Bobby. Next question comes from Dallas Stamper at Dallas Stamper on Twitter who asks, odds that Norman Powell stays in Portland better than 50%? Ryan Tatum at Ryan T610 asks, what is the word on whether Powell will resign? 
Is there any info or, uh, on his interest in returning if CJ is traded? Uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic is is the only person who sort of reported on anything that seems like close to the team on this. And I think the thinking, at least from my read of Jason's report, and this is from six weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little longer, is that the Blazers will... Norm's fate with the Blazers will be tied in great deal to CJ. The Blazers are not going to pay Norman Powell, you know, 20 million, 17 to 20 million annually to be, um, to play out of position at small forward or, or whatever it might be. Like, I, I think that's very unlikely. So if CJ's back, I think they kind of let Norm walk. Um, if not, um, if, if they do trade CJ and they get, you know, they add forwards, um, non guards, or they add like, you know, bench help to, to, bolster the back half of the rotation and say Norm's going to step into that number that starting two guard role then Norm will be back um I think I think that's I think that's most likely and to answer Dallas's question uh I think it's I would I would probably peg it I would have pegged it at a coin flip before and now I'd probably peg it slightly below that I kind of just think the drama in Portland makes it so like you know at least at least 5% less enticing. Like we don't know really what's going on behind the scenes with the guys, but like public facing, it seems like, uh, you know, they just hired the, they just hired a coach and the press conference was really bizarre and poorly handled by the team and like widely criticized by the national media, as well as in this very podcast space, the, the, the star player seems like outwardly frustrated and, and, and ready to sort of have them take, you know, big aggressive moves, or if not would be maybe eyeing an exit before the end of his, uh, before the end of his contract. Like there's a lot, it just seems messy. And I don't know if Norm wants to like, um, wants to necessarily, you know, marry that franchise that seems to be in a little bit of disarray but there is like a dollar amount that it doesn't it doesn't matter but Norman Powell is actually our ultra player of the week because I think a lot of like the happiest moments from the Blazers last season were tied to Norman Powell like the times where the Blazers seemed to have the most joy the most enjoyment and and then bring you know the fan base the most happiness was after Norm got here they became the best offense in the league they became as opposed to the worst defensive team in the league they were just 20th in defense and that that sort of change from being like oh man we're this team's kind of lost um to okay this team could be good kind of before the playoffs and their own sobering reality they really coincided with uh, norman powell being here and uh roster construction aside i i like the norman powell experience it would be uh you know, in, intrigued if the Blazers brought him back. Uh, that that doesn't that doesn't seem like a terrible idea to me. So more joy, more happiness could be on the way via Norman Powell. And remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, there's more to enjoy. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. All right, let's keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. Our next question. Comes from Colin Petit, at Colin Petit on Twitter, who asks, Do you think the West is weird again next season? With the Lakers Clippers getting older, Jazz possibly losing Michael Conley, Jamal Murray being out for Denver, it seems like the West could have a handful of teams to go on a Suns-type run, including the Suns. Could Portland or Golden State or the Mavericks... I think Golden State is most likely to go on like a Suns-type run out of the playoffs to the finals, right? I wouldn't bet on that, but that certainly seems like the best bet. Uh, I think the Mavs and the uh, Blazers are kind of in that, that sort of tier below a bunch of those teams you mentioned, where they're like very clearly good, but the chances, like, what happens this summer will dictate a lot of whether I think they can make the finals. I don't think either of them, as currently constructed, is a 
is a likely bet to make the NBA Finals. Um, obviously, the Jazz, they, you know, losing Mike Conley, they could get a little bit worse. Jamal Murray is likely to miss the first like four months least of the season for Denver. And as tough as they were, um, they're better with better better players. Lakers and Clippers getting older. Yeah, I know like a lot of the, the a lot of the parts are older, and eventually LeBron James is going to break down. But like the Lakers are likely to be better with more health. Um, I would I would guess. Uh, we'll see. That's obviously up in the air, and that might be part of part of the question right here. Uh, the Clippers getting older. I don't know if I buy that. Like, like Pat Bev and, and Marcus Morris are older or whatever. But uh, Kawhi and Paul George are still in their primes, and if your best players are still in your primes, like they're they're going to be good. <laughs> uh, but I think, like in general, yeah, I, I don't. Um, there doesn't depending on what happens with the Lakers and what they do with the roster, I don't think there's going to be like a clear cut. This is the best team in the West. The playoffs were really wide open this year. Uh, Phoenix, the second best team in the West all year, briefly number one, but like, you know, among the top four in the West and, and, and the second best team for most of the end of the year, um, they, they, they were really good all year and are in the final. So I don't know if it, how fluky it is. Like good teams go, like if they were on pace to, to win, to be like a near 60 win team in a regular season, like 55 plus win team. That's, that's what the mark of a really good team is. So yeah, I think, I don't think there's going to be like a clear cut, super obvious title favorite outside of maybe healthy Brooklyn next year. Um, but I, I mean, it, the West is always going to be like the West is going to be tough in a similar way. Um, but is I don't know if it's going to be weird um, because this season was remarkably weird due to the quick restart from the bubble and the super compressed 72 game schedule. Uh, it'll always be wide open and always be unexpected. Uh, you know, LeBron James kind of poisoned us by making 10 consecutive NBA finals. And you kind of think like, oh, well, you know, LeBron will just make it again. But it's it's. <laughs> We'll look back on that in a, like in a decade and be like, wait, what the hell? He made 10 consecutive finals or he made 12 out of 14 straight finals. Like, it'll be weird. Uh, it won't be the norm, I would guess. So, yeah, I think it'll be I think the chances that the that the um, sort of middle of the West is, is is right there for teams. And if Blazers make the right moves could be right there in the sort of like if things break our way, we could be there. I think that's I think that's reasonable. Next question comes from Tam Tamterius, the Greek at Tam to Greek on Twitter, who asks, what would you think of a three-team trade where CJ McCollum goes to Philly, but we get Pascal Siakam and Toronto gets Ben Simmons plus additional value where necessary? If, if the Blazers make a trade in which they get Pascal Siakam uh, back for CJ McCollum, they did a good job. I happen to think Pascal Siakam is really, really good. I know my uh, my friend and host of Locked on Raptor, Sean Woodley, also believes that Pascal Siakam is really, really good. Um this would be a good trade. Uh, more size, he can handle, he can score a little bit. I know he's had some duds in the playoffs. Uh, he was really bad in the playoffs in the bubble, but Siakam is a really good player. And if you've got someone his size and his skill set in exchange for CJ McCollum, the roster is better. Even if like, even if you think CJ is a better basketball player, which I don't agree with, but if if you do, um, just like the the variation in in. Uh, like whatever physical size I think is enough to sort of change, change the Blazers. Uh, Pascal Siakam rocks. If the Blazers end up with him, it's a really good trade. Next question comes from vegan mindset coach at mindset vegan on Twitter, who asks with the upcoming Olympic roster for team USA being sta- being stacked, can we expect a different style of play from Dame or should we expect a different game from Dame in international contexts? I don't think it'll be that different. My man, like he's an offensive player who shoots a bunch of deep threes. I think that's still going to happen. When you come on these like, you know, big firepower type teams, uh, there is, 
you know, guys do play a little bit different because there's just so much firepower and there's so much ball handling. But I think Dame's going to be like the lead guard, uh, just like looking, like peeking at the roster. He's most likely to be the lead guard. He might spend more time off the ball. When you have Kevin Durant and Brad Beal, um, you can you can probably spend more time off the ball. And I think maybe Dame playing off the ball with really talented players could be valuable for him to sort of see how that works. It's not the same damn thing, though. Carmelo Anthony was an elite catch-and-shoot shooter on Team USA, like a legend. Um, he ne- That never tried translated to his game uh, in large part because playing with as for Mello with with Chris Paul and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and being the spot up fourth guy with a bunch of freaking legends maybe lends itself a little to a little more towards that than um, spotting up. <laughs> off of Jason Kidd and Amari Stoudemire late in their careers. It's just different. Like, this is why I say roster matters so much. Dame might, like, see the light, but he also might see the light that playing with superstars is um, <laughs> it's pretty beneficial to his success. More on that in a second. Douglas Hallstrom at Dougie Froth on Twitter who asks, who asks, ask our next question, what are your top three moments from the season? The first game that comes to mind is uh, the win in Philadelphia. No Dame, no CJ, no Nurk. Uh, just a game that looked like an absolute loss. Looked like looked like just the Blazers were going to lose. You know, this wasn't it wasn't really a question. It was just like they're they're going to lose. And Rodney Hood and Carmelo Anthony kicked ass. <laughs> they they went into Philly and won. Uh, no Ben Simmons in that game, but uh, just just one of those games where you know you're tuning in and I'm planning on like, well, we're going to watch this game that's like totally meaningless and I guess I'll record a podcast after but like I'm totally prepared to call this nonsense and then uh you know Rodney Hood has 16 and again like you know a game where he just hadn't looked any good Carmelo was fantastic had 22 on 8 of 14 shooting uh Gary Trent Jr. just like soaked up a ton of offense he was 8 of 23 but it was just like we need buckets and Gary Trent went and got buckets uh this CJ Ellaby obviously was awesome off that off the bench like his just like career night 15 and 7 off the bench and came in right away grabbing offensive rebounds and playing with energy and playing um you know I don't know if he looked like he belonged or whatever but he looked like he could make a real impact and he did and they they stole a game in Philly against a really good team uh so so I think that was a moment just because uh, it was so unexpected the next one is the is Dame's game winner in Chicago um I it was it was the end of January um it's kind of and typically in 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 like the NBA season, like kind of the toughest part of the season that run from sort of Christmas to the all-star break and particularly after, after new year's to the all-star break. But this was like er, still early in the season. Right. And the Blazers like they, they haven't, they're still in trouble in this game, right? Like they're still at this point in the season, they're still kind of, um, you know, they were nine and 10 coming in. They didn't look, this didn't look like you weren't like, okay, this is a good basketball team. It was like, uh, Oh, <laughs> like, like they had, they had already lost Nurk and CJ. Uh, they were a horrifically bad defense, and it was just like, uh, uh oh. And then this game, they just looked like they were an absolute. They were in trouble. Like they were just they were going to have given this game away late um, because of Zach Levine and Dame wouldn't let him. Um, and and Gary Trent Jr. wouldn't let him. Quite frankly, you know, Dame hits a huge three over my boy Kobe White. Uh, uh, Derek or Derek Jones. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Ties up, you know, ties up the inbounds pass, wins the wins the jump ball over Zach Levine, and Dame hits the game winner at the buzzer. And it was just, um, <laughs> it was just one of those moments where you're like, I cannot believe they stole that one. It was, um, it was true theft at the United Center. So that's that's my second one, and then my last one. This will be controversial for y'all, but Dame having 55 um, 
in Denver in double overtime in uh, in game five. Like that was just a performance for the ages. Like it was um, it was a little bit of a gut punch because it was like, how did they lose that? But like it's an all time classic game. Uh, this is maybe where my like my sort of like deep blazers, my lack of deep blazers allegiances are showing because like I loved that game. Like I, I was like, oh, wow, this is an absolute classic. And then like um, even some people in my household um, who I won't out right now, but <laughs> they were pretty bummed about it. And I was like, well, got to go record a podcast that was amazing um and i ended up i recorded another podcast with uh the next day with nikaias duncan and we were both super excited about it afterwards because it was just like just great high 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 level basketball and um what dame did as sort of depressing as it might be um was it was he was phenomenal he was just fantastic so that's like those are my top three moments like when i think about this season the game winner in chicago the just absolute unexpected win in philly and then just a a, a just I'm I am that good type of moments and the team kind of falling apart around Dame, but like a, a epic playoff moment from Damian Lord are my top three moments. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out this glorious mailbag Monday. But first, let's talk about BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's what it is. Any sport you can imagine, it's on there, and all of it's going to have. Real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine pregame so you can get in there and make your uh, make your little little fun prop bets. Uh, you can track live scores right there on the website, or uh, which is available on your on your computer or your mobile device. And when I say everything, I really do mean everything. Uh, the, the Stanley Cup Finals are going on like literally right now as I'm recording this, so uh, you won't be able to bet on hockey for a couple months. But you will be able to bet on, on the offseason in the NHL. And you'll be able to bet on the NBA Finals. You'll be able to bet on WNBA's regular season. You'll be able to place bets on the Olympics coming up here. Anything you want. It's all there for you. So head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when you're making your first deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And you can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. Why spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com where prices are reliably low. And they're the same for every customer. Whether you are a do-it-yourselfer or a mechanic, you will find everything you need. From brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet. You name it, they got it. Go explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We're still rolling through on this glorious mailbag Monday. Let's keep it rolling. This next question comes from Tamtarius the Greek, who asks, Do you see the Blazers offering an extension to either Roko or Nurk this summer? No, I don't. Uh, if you don't know the clarity on Damian Lord's future, you don't lock in this core. Um, I, 
I just don't think you do it. I don't think you do it. Uh, I would I would probably lock in Rocco before Nurk, and even just because I think he's cheaper, um, and I think it's easier to get like quality centers than than pay for a long term one. Not that I think Nurk is more valuable and better than Rocco probably, but um, just like value wise, I wouldn't lock in Nurk. And I don't. I just don't think you want to commit long term money until you have some clarity about what's next with the franchise. And the franchise is the letter O. Next question. Dr. J, who asks, if you could do any of the following four moves, which would be the highest floor and the highest ceiling for the Blazers next season? And this, all of these assume that Norman Powell stays. Number one is keep CJ. Number two is CJ for Ben Simmons. Trade CJ for Ben Simmons. Three is trade CJ for Chris Saps Porzingis. Four is trade CJ for Tobias Harris. And five is trade CJ for Harrison Barnes and Marvin Bagley. So I think the highest floor, highest ceiling is probably trade for Ben Simmons. Uh, he's He's flawed but he's the best player of, of all of those names that i'm reading right there and and it's the talent league and if you're just talking about like floor and ceiling that we're, we're probably talking about regular season right like uh the the way you get further in the playoffs is probably like get a higher seed and ben simmons helps you win games the regular season uh his playoff fit on high level teams is maybe in question his his overall talent during the marathon of the nba of the nba year it it it's obviously valuable. He's one of the most versatile defenders in the league. And like d- teams just can't key in on his weaknesses the same way as they can in the playoffs. So I think he's your highest floor and your highest ceiling. Uh, after that, I would probably go highest, highest floor. Like what, what sort of keeps you there is probably just straight up uh, among these moves is, is I would say next is maybe trading for Tobias Harris. Like maybe um, a little shaky on that followed. Number three, I would say is, is keeping CJ just straight up keeping CJ. Next in line, I'd probably say I'd probably say highest floor would be trading for Harrison Barnes and Marvin Bagley, but I think you take a huge step back, like a huge step back there. Um, yeah, I know Harrison Barnes wins a UNC, and I like him less than Tobias Harris, but that's just me. Um, I I think. Uh, Harris as a power forward in an offense with shooters could be really good. Um, and I think the Blazers have the ability to build something that looks a lot like that in the way that Philly doesn't. And 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 Tobias Harris kicked ass during the regular season. Um, he just struggled a little bit in the playoffs. And part of that is the spacing fit and the weird and the the weirdness of what Ben Simmons brings to his teammates and the way you can help off him. Danny Green's injury that didn't allow them to always put spacing and defense on the floor at the same time. They had to try to kind of pick between Furkan Korkmaz and Matisse Thibel. Um, I, I think I just think Harris is Tobias Harris is better, um, and I'm not really a big believer in, in like what Harrison Barnes brings to you if he's your second dare he's your second best scorer. I don't think I don't think you get there, and I think like the lowest floor is probably Kristaps Porzingis because I'm worried that Kristaps Porzingis' body is such that like his his legs have failed him as as giant people sometimes unfortunately succumb to is like he just lost his lateral quickness he was an elite defender two years ago he was a horrific defender last season Damian Lord just lit up KP every chance he got just blew past that fool um I don't think you want I don't think you want a slow dude who doesn't really want to play five um that that seems like a problem to me so like I think the highest floor and the highest ceiling is Simmons. And I think just like the, of the remaining sort of, if you want to maximize your, uh, maximize your, your sort of your, your floor and your ceiling is probably Tobias Harris and then keeping CJ and those other two trades. I don't really care for no, no thanks. Even though I've heard other people say they would do Barnes and Bagley in a heartbeat. So um, to each their own, you know, that's, that is, uh, (laughs) that's, 
That's why it's okay to have your own opinions that are very different from mine. Next question comes from Daniel who says, which do you think is likelier to happen first, Dame requesting a trade or Neil Olshay being fired? Ah, I'd probably lean Neil Olshay being fired. Um, <laughs> they might happen concurrently, right? Um, I'll lean Neil Olshay being fired. I think it's more likely that Dame says, I'm tired of this dude. If you want me to stick around, the only way to do it is to get rid of him. And they do. I think that is... You know, I think the sort of frustration with why haven't we made a big move? Why do you keep botching media stuff and like making me look bad for you? Like, you know, just the bad sort of Neil O'Shea's bad press that he's got over the last month or so. Um, I think there's a chance that Dame would just say, get rid of this fool. Uh, the team has prioritized Neil. You know, they've they've let him continue to build the roster and he's, he has a, a lot of power to to make decisions. Um I don't think he's more powerful than than if, if I don't think he's so powerful that if Damian Lewis said me or him, <laughs> the team would choose him. Next question comes from Jesse Bealman at Reverend Dr. Beals on Twitter who asks, that's Rev Dr. Beals on Twitter who asks, can you pull back the curtain on the media game? Why does it seem like two major national media persons break most of the NBA stories? How is it that they had all of the insights into the Blazers coaching hire? Is it just execs and agents who mostly tip those two? Yeah, I, I'm not going to pull back the curtain totally because one, I don't want to, um, you know, get it, being sourced as part of the media game and I don't want to presume where all of this comes from, but I'll give you just like the basics of how it works um, from my point of view. Uh, the like Shams and Woj are not just news breakers. They're, they're news merchants. And so if a team wants to know some shit, you know, who knows some shit is Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, so a GM can say, Woj, I will give you the, I'll give you the list of, I'll give you the Terry Stotts stuff and the list of, of names. If you won, put it out the way that would be most beneficial to us. And two, tell me what else you've heard about sort of the ripples around the league. Like there's a quid pro quo part of it. Um, and just in reporting, you know, if, if Woj has gets info from all these teams, he can bounce it back and forth and, 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 and front offices can learn stuff. Same with agents. They can learn stuff too. Uh, also, um, you know, in the, it's sort of on the other side of that, it's like agents want stories reported a certain way. And if you read the tweets closely enough, um, and I'll leave this for you to figure out, you can tell whether a team or an agent has, has sort of floated these things. But again, like you, you, to get these sources, you have to do good work, connect yourselves, or you at least have to do work and connect yourselves with people and prove to be valuable to them. And then they trust you with big stories. Shams has made a meteoric rise. Uh, the man is not yet 30 years old. Uh, he's He is a giant, giant news merchant in the league. Um, and you don't, you don't do that without uh, the sort of the ability and strength to build connections with people. But most of the news stories, most of the reasons why it comes through those two sources is because the, the people giving that info want it to go out a certain way. Also, there is some like the way Woj works, at least like there's some gravitas to having like what no one's going to question a Woj report. Like if it comes out, that shit is, is gospel in, in most NBA circles. Right. So if Woj says, here's how the team is doing it and here's what it looks like, people say this is this is true. Like this is a factual thing. So there's a value in um, having Woj be the one who breaks your team stories. Next question comes from Scott at Scott PTB 30, who, who asks and proving our player our playoff offense is more important than improving our defense changed my mind i mean you're just totally wrong is one of the reasons scott uh, uh, scott is a longtime listener uh, uh frequent uh, mailbag uh 
asker. So I'm, I'm being maybe a little harsh with Scott because, uh, loyal, I'm being, I'm being harsh with Scott due to the loyalty, but, um, yeah, you're just totally wrong. Uh, the most, in, I know that we th- tend to think like the playoffs are the most important part and they freaking are, but the, the most valuable thing the Blazers could have done this season was improve their positioning in the playoffs. And when they got to like get a higher seed, get like, you know, end up two. So you play the worn down Lakers like the, and, and the reason that they weren't higher up in the playoffs and the reason that they couldn't rest guys down the stretch, the reason that they had to ha- kind of really have the foot on the gas down the stretch because their defense sucked for most of the year and so they burned they had to burn a lot of gas at the end of the season and every year it follows has followed the same script is that they they they're bad enough in this middle set section of the season and then they go on a tear at the end of the year it's kind of a start special they catch they would catch their rhythm and get going but that that costs energy and the best thing you can do the most clutch thing you can do is avoid the clutch not have close games not have um not have big minutes burdens and not have incredibly important games down the stretch of the regular season that is the defense the playoff offense has been a problem but the Blazers a problem specifically against the Denver Nuggets had nothing to do with their offense not a single there's not a single thing that had to do with their offense they couldn't stop monte morris paul Millsap whooped their ass that ain't offense the offense was was fine uh they could have used some more timely shot making from folks but um even functionally the offense was fine like this this wasn't a series where the where where trapping like took the blazers out of it and they didn't get into their offense this was a series where norman powell and cj mccollum didn't make enough shots rocco didn't get enough shots and the options off the bench which had been offensive boons like uh simons and and uh uh, Carmelo Anthony and, and Cantor were so bad on defense that playing them long stretches was a mis- like a, a just a loss. The Blazers lost that series because their second unit sucked and their second unit had a bunch of offensive players. Defense was the problem. Scott, you're wrong. Improving the playoff offense, important, but not even in the same stratosphere as as in, in the importance of, of becoming a better defensive team consistently. Next question comes from James in Beaverton who asks, if you could bring a player to the Blazers next year, any player that might be two to three years from retirement, who would it be? So the two names that I'm, I'm thinking of here are Paul Millsap and, and Marcus Gasol. Uh, Marcus Gasol looked, Marcus Gasol was really, really slow on defense in the playoffs. He looked, um, he looked to be a little troublesome. I don't think that matters as much during the regular season. Uh, again, it's, kind of a different sport in the way that teams target you and the quality of, of, of opponent you play each night. But, uh, I think I would lean Millsap, um, also old getting, get a little long in the tooth, but skilled and smart and tough. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in street ball, Paul. So I'll, I'll say Paul Millsap, um, the for the record i edited this email a little bit uh james said i couldn't i couldn't choose lebron james because i would have picked him in a heartbeat uh next question comes from john cicada at john balozos or if those are two l's like in spanish balozos um for funsies john cicada asks who is your realistic tokyo tampering season target I love that. Uh, Dame's going to the Olympics. Uh, I've been joking about it a bunch that it's just it's just a good chance to like convince other players to tamper and convince other players to join your team. I think the most reasonable target is is something like Draymond Green. Um, you know, there's the rest of the guys aren't as gettable as Draymond, and I don't think Draymond is particularly gettable. But you know, uh, Dame has been you know. F- 
an obvious fan of Draymond Green for years. Dame's representation occasionally just fawns over Draymond on on Twitter. Um, it's it is he's the most reasonable, and if the and if the like target, and if the Warriors were to get involved in some sort of larger trade, maybe the Blazers could swoop in, move CJ around in some larger trade, and end up with Draymond. Would that make them better? I don't know. It would make them different. Um, make them different. And Draymond's like he he would make them a better defensive team. Um, and and I think he would help. Dame do what he wants to do a little bit in the pick and roll game, but Draymond's got some problems on offense, y'all. He's um, uh, if if Draymond was what he was a few years ago, the Warriors make the playoffs. Next question comes from A A Lax, A A Lax one on Twitter who asks, "What's your go-to food for the Fourth of July?" Well, as an adult, it's become ribs. Uh, I don't really recall what it was as a youth. It was probably burgers, um, burgers and dogs. I've always been an omnivore, uh, but uh, it's become ribs like in my, I don't know, post, post-college post um, having backyards of my own type of thing. I've taught myself to make ribs, not something I grew up cooking, um, but I'm a pretty good cook and I've taught myself to make ribs and I make darn good ribs now. I don't have a smoker. I go oven to grill. Um, I've I've... I've toyed with the idea of getting a smoker, but I don't really have, I'm not really big, big, uh, party dude. So making like a 12 pound brisket just seems like a burden for me and my wife, uh, as opposed to like a nice treat. Um, but yeah, uh, a rack of ribs. I had some friends come over on July 4th. Um, they'll vow. None of them really listen. One of them does shout out to Jen, shout out to Michael too. Uh, but, and, and maybe other Jen, but shout out to both Jens. I think they'll, they'll maybe listen. They'll vouch for me that the ribs are pretty good. Next question comes from Tyler Buckland at Tyler Buckland on Twitter, who asks, "What's your fa- what's your number one sports movie of all time?" So, I think it's Remember the Titans. The only other one that's like up there, like one, two for me, is gonna be Remember the Titans and Cool Runnings. I love I've seen Cool Runnings like like a comical number of times. Uh, both movies I owned, Remember the Titans and Cool Runnings. Uh, cool Runnings for sure on VHS. I hope my parents might still have that one. Um, maybe who knows? But like I wore that I wore that tape out. Uh, really loved Cool Runnings. Love Remember the Titans. Both fantastic. Other ones that belong in the like they're not there, but like sort of on the same in the same level ish. Uh, Sandlot and Field of Dreams, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Hoop Dreams, I didn't see it so like I should have seen it earlier in my life, but I just I didn't see it later. I I love it, um, but it's not it doesn't have the same sort of nostalgia for me because I saw it when I was 22 or something like that. Happy Gilmore's in, in there. Uh, the Mighty Ducks films are in there. Uh, I got to just for hateration, like I think Caddyshack sucks. <laughs> um, not my film, not for me. And I've never seen Slapshot, like a, a classic sports movie. Maybe I should go to jail for that. Maybe that's illegal, but I just, I've just never seen it. Sorry. Uh, if you have a VHS copy of that, Laserdisc copy of Slapshot, go ahead and send that my way and I'll for sure pop it in. But yeah, I, I would think, I think it's Remember the Titans or Cool Runnings. I'll lean Remember the Titans, but I Cool Runnings rocks. Final question of the show comes from Logan Gillis, at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, Fudge schools or Orange Cream schools one-on-one who wins the summer battle? So I asked a lot of people this question. I I, I got this question early in the day and I was around some friends and I asked uh, some family members and 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 the my pick and seemingly the consensus by a hair is Orange Cream schools. They're just their money. Uh, I don't love the texture of fudgesicles, and I think the like weird texture of 
for whatever reason works better in my opinion with the orange and the cream than it does the than it does the chocolate i think the i think the fudge school has bound to get freezer burned and a little icy and just it's just not it's not for it's not for me it's it's orange cream school by a pretty wide margin for others it seemed like this was debatable but i pulled uh i pulled six people we went four two orange creamsicles uh over over the over fudgesicles so that's that's it that's your champ that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, I want to use this space to to issue uh, an apology. Uh, I made a mistake. I used the term charge when talking about the uh, sexual assault rape allegations against Chauncey Billups. I used the word charge a couple times in an episode I posted on Thursday. Chauncey Billups, importantly, was not charged or, or, or you know, specifically was not charged. Uh, this was, these were allegations. Uh, they were, the... He would settled out of court, uh, monetary settlement out of court. Uh, a couple of people reached out to me and said, hey, you use the wrong word. And I, what I want to say there is I apologize. I think specificity of language is super important. And also reach out to me, dear listeners. Like if I if I do something you don't like or you disagree with, um, I, sometimes I just misspeak on here. I say Derek Jones Jr.'s name when I meant to say Gary Trent Jr. Uh, don't do not send me an email about that. <laughs> I don't want to know. But if I if I make a mistake, a, a broad and important mistake, like you can tell the difference. You're you're an intelligent enough listener to know. I, I know you, dear listener. Uh, reach out to me. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Uh, we can have a back and forth. We can, we can that is a space. Uh, it's more valuable than the Twitter sphere or anywhere else where like you can reach me and we can, um, you can provide actual real feedback. I will respond to you and be earnest and honest there. Um, so I, I appreciate for the, the couple of folks who reached out to me there and, and called me out on being wrong on something in a civil and important way. Uh, I don't want to, my intention is not to like, um, have a, have a sort of correction segment, but my intention is if I do, if I, if I misstate some things, please call, please help me get this right. Because I want to be, um, I want to be as factually correct as possible. I don't give a, I, my opinions are my opinions. I do not care if you, you know, fully disagreed or whatever with my opinions, but like, I want to get the facts right. So, um, uh, thank you for those of you who, who reached out. That's super important to me. And, and again, if you, that is the place to find me locked on blazers at gmail.com is the best place to sort of get in touch. If you want to discuss the show or whatever, um, I usually get back pretty quick, but, uh, that's, that is the sort of best place to have a long form conversation. So, so feel free to reach out there if you have any other questions. Also, that's how you get in touch with me if you want to get involved in a future mailbag. You can tweet at me. That's a great place to tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter, or do send me an email, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com. We do this every week. Uh, I record it on Mondays and post it on Tuesdays. Uh, mailbag Monday isn't going to slow down in the offseason. We're going to still keep it rolling. So look for more of those. I Really am thankful for all of you who participate either by listening or sending in questions. I enjoy the mailbags and I hope you do too. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>